Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season show us big risk can yield big rewards, like Rob Riley, the creative head of one of the world's leading advertising firms. I try to create environments where anybody can say anything without any judgment. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Hey fam, I'm Simone Boyce. I'm Danielle Robay. And we're the hosts of The Bright Side, the podcast from Hell of Sunshine that's guaranteed to light up your day. Like our recent episode with sisters Regina and Raina King about the why behind their production company, Royal Ties. We have such a huge love for storytelling without walls, without barriers. Listen to The Bright Side from Hello Sunshine on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The opinions expressed in the following podcast are for general informational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or on any specific security or investment product. It is only intended to provide education and entertainment about the financial industry and the stock market. Enjoy. On this episode of Pennies Going In Raw, we interview Liquidity. And we also talk about Hughes, $150,000 spy put. And not only that, we also discuss how to confirm a reversal to finally conclude that segment. You find out life's this game of pennies. Oh, you guys know we only have a 40% runner. Hello? 40% is a f***ing killing. We've been compliant for too long. It's time we go to war. I don't have a Roth. You know so much about the market that his brain doesn't have enough room for grammar. Hey, who told me about IDEX? It's going up a shit ton now. Rob, 4%, baby. No way. Four fucking percent. You asked the exact same question with two words (laughs) different. It's like, f*** man, I just got dick whipped for like 20%. And now that f***er's up like 50. I bet Warren Buffett never did that. I'm just making this voice memo to call out unusual whales to a fight. The pennies we need are everywhere around us. Pennies, pennies, pennies. Going in raw. Featuring Dan, Deity of Dips, and Hugh Honey. Produced by Vinny and Christian. Let's, Let's go, go, baby. Welcome back to another episode of Pennies Going In Raw. Today is Sunday, October the 17th, and we're recording this a little early, but we have a good interview with Liquidity. But before that, Hugh had a massive spy put play. We talked about it on Wednesday. Do you kind of all walk us through that real quick? Yeah. Uh, so I think the first thing is that most of the time I scalp things. Very rarely do I have conviction when I'm trading spy options. Uh, and uh, so when I am trading them, and I do have conviction. It's one of those things where I'm purely going for bank or bankrupt. Um, and that's and that's what I did. And so what I've really been looking at is, and we talked about it on the last episode, is that I'm always trying to think about what the market makers are thinking or really what everybody else is not thinking about. And with this, it it, it always felt like the dips were being bought by retail, but then sold into, bought by retail, sold into. 
And what we were seeing was was a trend of the entire day would be a chop fest for spy, and then the end of the day would be a sell into would be a sell off and the sell into, and uh, and so I figured that this trend would hold. And I actually even started into spy a little early into the day on my puts, um, and so some of the theta chopped me up a little bit. But overall, it held the same exact trend that it's been holding. It would be low volume and it would be, you know, a chop fest between uh, on Wednesday, it happened to be between 434 to 436. And then we saw it get hit into close. And so I always had like a rule of thumb that, um, that there's like a support and the more times that tests one of the ranges is usually which way it'll go, especially if it's lower volume. I'm not trying to guess the direction, but I, as we talked about last episode, I want I always like to put on a little bit of a feeler if I have a hunch. So my edge was was that I kind of felt like I knew the pattern of the of what was going to happen, and it was following that previous pattern. So I started in the number of spy puts, and uh, once it flushed through BWAP, tested support, came back up and failed again. And uh, after doing so, I mean, it was a real, real nice trade. Not as big as Tuesday's trade as far as the percentage gains. But I mean, once it broke through that 433.85 level, um, I mean, there was a on the five minute chart, it was it was like almost a dollar a share candle, which gave a really nice, which gave a really nice pop inside the options. And uh, so I sold most and held some over into Thursday. But pretty much, I identified the pattern. I identified my edge, which was that I had known the pattern and I had known what was coming. And uh, and you know, I had I had tight tight stop loss, but you know, I felt like I had, I knew the pattern and the pattern worked inside my favor and the thesis continued to build until it, uh, un- until, you know, the trade worked out. Yeah. And I think it's actually super cool that we're able to, and, and for the listeners, I think it's super interesting that you guys may be fascinated to find out that Wednesday episode was recorded maybe what eight hours before this and so he racked up that a hundred thousand dollars over he's probably already up 50k when we recorded that one and he held it and was it exactly what you said on the wednesday sorry it's it's like 9 p.m it's 10 p.m for him right now so it's (laughs) you know I know. I I I swear I wasn't gonna get drunk on an episode again, but you know, Hugh made we're on a late one right now. But uh, I did. No, but, I did. Uh, but was it exactly the plan you had on your uh, that you explained on Wednesday's episode? Yeah, exactly. So, it, like I said, is that I usually don't go for the big move. I usually go for the quick scalp in either direction, like kind of more of like a reactive trade. Uh, if it gets overextended to the long side or if it gets overextended to the short side, I usually look for a reactive trade and a quick pop into the premiums. Um, with this, it was, hey, following this pattern, this is a perfect setup, uh, chop fest all day. And then it brings lower. And again, and again, it comes back to, I always want to ask myself, what is everybody else thinking? So if everybody else is thinking, oh, okay, you know, support is in at this 434, you know, it's going to test 440 again. 
and break out. That, that was the reason I went short on Tuesday was because everybody was thinking that the 440 level was going to uh, hold or I mean, you know, was going to break through. And when I saw a hard rejection off of that, I, you know, and then, then it tested it again and rejected. That's when I went short and knew that, um, that we weren't there yet. And then again, same thing. It came back down to the support and it was just sitting on the support line, chop fest, chop fest, chop fest. And I had this, you know, the same thing that, that, that it would do what it couldn't, the pattern would continue to hold and the trend would continue to hold and it would sell off into close. And I mean, I, I was getting chopped up by the premiums for, for a good hour or two. And then, uh, the last 15 minutes just came in there and, uh, and I got a good, uh, uh, a good swipe down. So, and I guess to finally conclude this little bit, uh, how much did you put in to get a hundred and fifty thousand dollar or hundred and what was it exactly? And how much did you put in? Uh, yeah. So Tuesday's day was a hundred and two thousand, and I'd put in um sixty thousand. At one point, they were up like 170%, but I didn't take profits in the premiums got shots. But uh, but yeah, so that are was- these Are these two separates or are these the same ones mainly and you just- uh, Yeah, they, they were the same concept, same trade, basically just um, I'd moved back one expiration because of the- time decay and then uh and then wednesday's was um was to make 130 i'd put in like around 90 something like that so it, like i said is that i was expecting a bigger flush um i, I was hoping to make between two to three hundred percent on the spy options but um but that flush just didn't come all the way you know it, it did flush and it did give a really good return uh, and it gave about a hundred percent but that's yeah one of those just, times. it just always seemed like the bulls were kind of trying to make it go back up yeah. every time and that's what I mean is that is that you know even though I'm playing with bigger money I mean I had a tight stop so the second that it went against me you know I would have been out but was there ever a time it was close to your stop that you were worried about it yeah yeah no it came really close but that's when that's when you know you can't be using these bigger time frames I mean I mean sorry that's the exact opposite of what I wanted to say you can't be using these smaller time frames because when you use the smaller time frames it could actually go through resistance and uh, and you get stopped out, and then two minutes later, be back down, or maybe even dump off of that. So that's why I love to use the five, the fifteen minute, the four hour, um, just because it gives that broader timeline, and it gives that you know they, it gives me that little bit of conviction. Because actually, now that I'm looking at it on that trade on Wednesday, um, my stop loss was around four thirty six, and it had actually gone. Spy uh, hit four thirty six oh seven. That doesn't sound like a big thing, but let's just say that I had that strict stop loss. On the one minute chart, I would have been out. Um, and, and then even even five minutes later, it hit 436.03. So both of those times, I would have been stopped out. If I had done that, I, I would have taken like a 30% hit. Just for two quick clarifications. So you, yeah. you post your uh, option stop losses based on the stock, not the options prices, correct? Yeah. 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 So I, I trade everything based on the underlying equity. I think, I think what you meant was like, yeah, like, was it coming close? And it was coming close. Like, but that would have been a 30% hit. But, but because I used the five minute chart, yeah. I, it, 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 because I used the five minute chart, I was able to have conviction. Cause sometimes if it gets close to support, like the yeah. options traders will be like, oh, it feels like it's going to break and we're going to sell through. And that's like yeah. a totally different environment you have to understand when you're trading options with those. 
Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so, exactly. And so actually, I mean, I wasn't at the desk when it failed this 436 area, but that's what have been, that's where I would have actually probably doubled up. And so when, when I have this, when I have this tight stop, high conviction trades, that's when I can scale in because I'm not, I'm looking for a bigger move, you know, like, like I'm not taking 200,000 in premium to, uh, to, to scalp it for 10%. I'm looking for this two, three hundred percent move, um, and and you know, like I said, is that this had held the same thing. So again, twelve o'clock, it so hit that high of four thirty six. When you when you say you're looking for for that much of a move, and you're still putting in sixty thousand, when you say sixty thousand to you, is it is it something to you that if it went to zero, it wouldn't matter, or is that sixty thousand yeah. something like? I I know you mentioned your stop loss, but like how ties it on a sixty thousand dollar position for you? Yeah, I mean, uh, if I had gotten stopped out, I think it would have been like a thirty five percent loss out there. Um, and, and and again, it comes down to that underlying equity. Um, it comes down to that underlying equity, but yeah, I mean, it could it could potentially. Let's just say that. Let's just say that, for instance, if um if it had gone if we had gone all the way through the day. And I had gotten stopped out at like the top, you know, so I'd gotten chopped up all day and then gotten up there. I mean, it probably would have been close to like a 70% loss. So at the, like I said, is that it's, it comes down to, it's definitely banker bankrupt for me, but it's one of those, it's, it's not something that I do every day. In fact, it's not something that I do every week. In fact, it's not something that I do every month. So when I do identify this pattern, and I do identify that that this is a potential trade, um, you know, it, it takes me a day or two to really, to, like, all I do is watch spy. All I do is watch spy, and uh, and when I see the trade, I mean, I hit it and I hit it hard because it's a trade that I've high probability with one that I know that I can control my emotions on, and two, again, it comes down to I'm not over risking. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. This week, I'm talking to the one and only Ryan Seacrest. Love the connection to people. I think at the core, what I get excited about, what gets me up in the morning, is connecting with people. In an unscripted, unvarnished way, is getting to, to say something to them, hear back from them, know that I'm part of the routine, And I look forward to getting on the air. I look forward to it. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, then look no further than the Marketing School podcast hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Sue. It is the number one marketing podcast in the United States and number 15 on business in the United States. And it has amazing guests such as Alex Hormozzi, Layla Hormozzi, Cody Sanchez. We pull in these amazing interviews with other people that are not only great marketers, but actual operators. And the icing on the cake is Neil and myself were also operators as well. So we share learnings from the trenches. We share secrets that we otherwise wouldn't be sharing with other people. And we also share other advantages that will help you get ahead of your competition. So all you have to do is listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, that should conclude Hugh's segment on his short. He will provide us with more details about his buys and sells on his Twitter if you're interested. 
And now we have a very special guest, Liquidity. And we have on Liquidity Capital. You know him, you love him. It's time to find out about him. Uh, thanks for joining us, man. Thanks for having me. So I guess we all kind of get this started with, you know, I usually give an introduction, but you were, you were a little bit of a wild card for me. Um, would you kind of give your introduction of, you know, what, what it is you do? And aside from just have a verified meme account, which was impressive in its own right? Uh, yeah, sure. So I, um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm liquidity. Uh, I go by uh, this um, this identity online. Um, I uh, started the account uh, about four and a half years ago. Um, I had been working in investment banking, um, you know, in, in like the traditional coverage group, which, uh, you know, covering stuff like uh, M&A, IPOs, debt raises, etc. for corporate clients and uh, financial sponsors. Um, and then uh, went on to private equity, um, where I, I kind of really uh, was able to focus more time on that. Um, uh, because, you know, I wasn't getting crushed as a junior analyst at a bank um, as much anymore. And, um, you know, uh, grew it from there for a couple years. And then, uh, you know, towards the, uh, the start of the pandemic um growth really accelerated and um was still working full time but um you know all of the stuff with liquidity uh was growing and um i got to the point where it was like working two full-time jobs even though working in finance is already like working two full-time jobs so you can call this kind of like three um so i made the decision to uh to you know launch uh, liquidity and uh, into a more full-time thing and get into other things I really wanted to do with the, the brand and so um, you know here we are today um, you know I've, I've anonymity was sort of uh, critical in order to not get fired um, <laughs> you know uh, on the job uh, people wouldn't want me roasting uh, the banks or, or hedge funds or whatever um, being you know on the inside um, but now, you know, I, I kind of like it. Um, yeah, it's, 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 it's a little mystery for people to try to find out who it is. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, did, before you quit, was liquidity making any revenue or, or really any profit? Yeah. Um, so the, I mean, that was something that, uh, I was also trying to, um, uh, figure out just, you know, when working at a, a bank or a fund. Uh, they want to know, you know, what kind of uh, outside business interests you have. Um, and so I was obviously not going to put an anonymous meme account as an outside business interest. But, um, you know, th there were things like uh, the Instagram swipe up ad revenue or um, some merch that I was selling on the side. But it's not like, you know, it was structured as a business or anything like that. But, um, yeah, I mean, there was definitely some uh, some revenue coming in. Um, and over the course of the pandemic last year, uh, with, you know, a lot of, uh, stuff happening online, um, with e-commerce sales and everyone just looking for something funny just to get through a tough time. Uh, that's when things started to accelerate. And I just said, Hey, like I have all these ideas that I want to execute upon, but I can't, uh, cause I have this, uh, you know, full-time job, uh, lingering over my head. Um, so yeah, now, uh, now I kind of have more of the freedom to uh, to go after it and you know um, really build something big. Whenever I started making, I guess, funny 
finance content like a two years ago, like the end of 2019. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seemed just like a blank space where it's just, you know, free real estate almost. Um, mm-hmm. You started it almost two years, three years before that. Mm-hmm. How did you get the idea like, hey, this is something that's so like in this niche environment and uh, did, were you just like, I'm going to just do this for me and my friends and we'll find it funny and it just blew up? Or were you, did you think, hey, you know, I'm sure there's some other investment bankers that have mm-hmm. somewhat of a sense of humor? Yeah, it was a, a little bit of both. Um, so uh, back in the day in college, um, I, I really was a big fan of uh, Total Frat Move. Um, I think that was just when it was in its peak, you know, the founders were just like really running shit. And I mean, I loved, uh, you know, the whole satire of that, making fun of guys with uh, uh, pink uh, pop collar polos and Sperry's. And um, uh, in high school, people where yeah. I went, they admired TFM. They, they were they thought it was serious. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot of parallels with that, but um, that's kind of where I got the idea of uh, wanting to do something similar. Um, After I uh, interned at an investment bank my junior year of college, and um, I was like, oh, like there's a lot of similarities as like, you know, being an intern or first year analyst, like being a pledge um, in a fraternity. So I, I didn't really focus on that after graduation. I kind of wanted to live it a little bit. And I also didn't have much spare time with uh, how many hours I, I was working. But, um, you know, th- that's when I uh, moved over to private equity after where I started reflecting on that. And one day I was like, you know, drunk with my friends. Uh, we were about to uh, go out. Um, we were pre-gaming. And uh, I was like, you know what? Uh, remember that idea I had in college? Like, might as well just start an Instagram account, um, just like start shit posting and, uh, and, and go from there. And um, around the time, there was an Instagram account also uh, uh, called EBITDAD. Um, that was just like getting me through uh, the, the work, you know, days. Um, and I thought it was funny. It was like something so niche that, uh, you know, he's like talking about like LBOs and, and shit like that I'd never seen in other meme accounts. like you know, like a, a fuck Jerry or, you know, a shithead Steve or whatever. And sorry for all the cursing, but those are the names of the meme accounts. Um, and, and so like, they seem pretty um, generic. And yeah, I, I really like that, that kind of like, only a certain amount of people get the jokes. Yeah. Uh, was it in that drunken night that you came up with the name Litquidity? Or was that just <laughs> how did that come about? Yeah, so it was actually the morning after I was hung over and um, I, I looked at my phone after uh, uh, like maybe 11 a.m. or something to some text messages of like, hey, we got brunch at 1 uh, p.m. I was like, oh, shit. Well, uh, then I, I went on Instagram. I'm like, oh, wait, I made this account. I kind of forgot about that. Um, so then I started thinking about like, you know, when you're making that new account, it's like uh, choose a name, um, put an email and whatever. And so. Um, I was just thinking of like something that can relate to uh, to finance um, in a subtle way. Um, and I went through a couple names. Um, uh, some of them were just pretty bad. Uh, but I, the only one I do remember that I was going to settle on was like, I don't know, something like Merger Arb, which I thought was like um, kind of, you know, ooh, you know, this guy will know what he's talking about, but it, it didn't sound funny. And then it just like came to me like, you know, liquidity and then put a little T in there and like liquidity. Um, I was, 
and I just knew, like, I just cracked a smile. I, I picked it, and uh, yeah, that, that's how it was born. Went to uh, brunch after that. Told my friends I I made the name, and I posted my first ever meme, which uh, was a picture of a dog that had a for sale sign on it, and um, uh, the, the the caption was like in that thick um, impact font, just saying. Uh, uh, fuck, I, I forget the what exactly it said, but it was something like lower middle market, um, you know, uh, banks uh, selling a company like, and they're selling a dog. So, it, when you're when you and your friends go out now, is that like their uh, pickup line? Like they help you start li- liquidity, or uh, or do you, or do you tell them to keep it pretty hush hush? I don't I don't think you know what the definition of anonymous meme account is. <laughs> Oh, dude, are you kidding me? Dude, you used to post my gains on Snapchat. Yeah, someone's got to brag. <laughs> yeah, I mean, my friends are uh, pretty good about it. Um, yeah. You know, uh, they say, oh, I, I know who started it. Or, okay. um, I mean, but the thing is, like, once you get uh, a lot of drinks deep, uh, it's kind of hard to, uh, you know, make sure everyone's in check, including myself. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> You know that that's where things can get funny, um, but uh, sometimes you gotta flex that blue check mark, man. I don't. Yeah. I'm not gonna say I don't do it every time I'm in line at a restaurant. Yeah, uh, it's it's funny though on uh, like having the check mark on Twitter because I started using that you know seriously like late 2019 I think, and uh, but Instagram's like where I, I made my following and. Um, that's where I have like my largest audience. And then I kind of felt backstabbed when, you know, uh, they're like, you don't qualify for it or whatever. And then, uh, Twitter's like, Oh, here you go. And so now, you know, Twitter's, uh, gained a, a special place in my heart. It's messed up, man. <laughs> they they it, say we need more press. I'm like, we've been in the New York times. What more press do you want? Yeah. I want a vice documentary about us. Yeah. When they, when Instagram went down a couple days ago, I was like, Oh no, you know. Oh, <laughs> you gave me a blue check mark. Maybe yeah. <laughs> obviously the the big surge of retail traders, kind of due to the lockdown and quarantine and everything, mm-hmm. helped your growth as a social media guy. I don't know if mm-hmm. you trade much, but what do you think of their effect on the market as a whole now and maybe going forward? So I, I will say, yeah, that that's something that's definitely expanded the total audience um, size for this type of content. Um, I'll say like my content never really has been um, uh, geared towards like retail jokes, you know, about stocks or or whatever. But um, over the course of pandemic, with everyone kind of being locked up at home, uh, there was less about joking, you know, like office banter or taking pictures of like Brad and Chad wearing their uh, Patagonia vests in Midtown. <laughs> and so, yeah, I mean, like the natural thing was just to talk about like the crazy shit that was happening in the market um, with all the, uh, you know, stimulus dollars, um, uh, just like that, that crash in, um, uh, you know, the March, April last year, and then the rebound since. And, um, you know, like it was just something like, you know, I, I, captured it at that moment and just realized that there are a lot of more people now who are interested in this and looking for information and entertainment. Um, so, you know, I think that's just been great to embrace. And then uh, to your question on uh, what their impact will be in the market, um, I think it's just uh, really a new um, a new dynamic that, that can't be ignored, where people are realizing uh, the power that they have um, in scale, in unison, 
you know, being able to chat about stocks on social media, uh, on Discord, you name it. And um, they can organize like uh, the same way like a pooled capital uh, hedge fund can deploy on something like a ton of, you know, uh, apes or whatever um, uh, can go all in into one stock and really drive the price the same way, uh, you know, a activist investor or you know, a hedge fund can can do a, as like one big buy. So, um, you know, as as people start to realize what they can do, um, you know, there's uh, yeah, the strategies and ways uh, the market will operate are just going to change. I think um, going forward, and uh, there's a lot of new technology uh, being built around that um, with social apps and uh, you know, the tools to help traders communicate with each other, share ideas, et cetera. And so I think it's only going to become more pronounced. Uh, so Lit, it's been out there that you do a little bit of your own VC uh, investments. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, sure. Uh, so first off, how many different investments? Is it all one sector? And why? Was this like a friends and family? Was this like an open fund? Like what, what was mm-hmm. it? Yeah, uh, good question. I um, uh, have started to uh, dip my toes into um, doing more of these uh, private deals. The nature of it has been um, through a lot of uh, brands and sponsors that have come to me and realized, hey, like you have an audience that uh, we want to tap into. There are uh, target customer base, and um, you know, instead of uh, paying one off uh, for ads or something like that. Why don't we like you know uh, give you equity or or something like that? So like the first couple deals were sort of uh, equity in exchange for marketing, um, but uh, you know I'll, I'll keep those uh, companies uh, hush hush right now because um, they're in the process of raising um, you know real uh, institutional capital, and so you'll see like you know the one of those press releases or something on TechCrunch uh, hopefully in the coming months. But um, since then I'm like okay like this is pretty cool. I think I can. Uh, now start to um, you know do my own uh, investing and turn uh, you know the, the liquidity capital name to literally liquidity capital, um, and so uh, I, I've started to make it more aware um, uh, you know that I'm investing in uh, certain uh, companies and sectors where I think um, I, I can provide value, uh, and that those sectors tend to be. Uh, Either like in fintech, direct consumer brands, you know, software uh, that's uh, helping the the workplace um, environment, uh, you know, creator economy tools, etc. And so, uh, each of those sectors where I think either having social media knowledge or just a deep understanding of how things operate in the uh, traditional um, institutional space and like tools that will help make it even better. Uh, you know, I, I think I have an angle that that can be helpful, and then uh, you know, marketing as well um, is something that I can provide. That's awesome. So you kind of answered this with that uh, last question, but I mean, I mean, you'll say you're in like business meet whenever we're like scheduling, or like, hey, oh, hey, I have a call then, or I have this to do. And if you're a full time meme account, I was kind of wondering what is your day involve as like. So, like, I guess it's you, fuck Jerry, and like you were talking about all those accounts. So you, I thought you just woke up, posted a <laughs> meme, tweeted "rise and grind," and went back to bed. 
<laughs> I mean, some days are like that when I uh, clear the schedule or I, I went out the night before, I'm just way too hungover. But here, so many people say, uh, you know, it really depends on the day. Um, so there's, there's no uh, typical day. But, um, you know, if I were to try to give a routine, I mean, yeah, there'd be um, sort of waking up before the market um, opens, uh, checking my phone, checking emails. Um, and then uh, seeing, okay, like what's going on? Like, is there anything funny or um, interesting that's like broken, um, uh, you know, news wise and start uh, riffing on that, start making some jokes. But um, it's not like I spend all day just, uh, you know, shit posting on Twitter or Instagram. Um, yeah, there's, uh, there, there's actual work that has to be done. Um, either diligencing new deals that come, uh, in the, you know, uh, over emails or the DMs um, that the companies are looking for capital um, to uh, writing the newsletter or just you know uh, writing the memes and and then just thinking um, broader vision um, you know other things that I'm planning on doing with the brand itself so there's a lot more than just uh, making memes but um, I'm glad it just you know it, people conceive the meme side of things, but everything else is kind of, um, you know, hush, hush until uh, it's released in the public and everyone's like, oh shit, where'd this come from? You touched on it, but your newsletter is massive, right? I'm kind of hush, hush about the, the numbers too. I, I want to reach a milestone yeah. uh, that, I, that I think I'll reach um, by the end of this year Yeah. Um, to sort of then, yeah, like, you know, say, hey, like this isn't, you know, some random uh, newsletter with like, you know, one or 2000 uh, subs, like this is the real deal. And so, um, yeah, I mean, look, I, I, I don't so like we can't to, get the numbers, it, but it, but yeah. one or 2000 is, is, is peanuts is what you're saying. That's correct. <laughs> All right. um, yeah. Well, it, but that's not to, uh, you know, uh, uh, talk lowly of people with one or 2000, but, um, yeah, I mean, just to give it a sense of scale, that's kind of, um, yeah, uh, well past it. Um, and where, it, you know, I'm, I'm trying to get into uh, the millions uh, eventually. And I think there's a clear path to do it. So for those listening that haven't subscribed to it, what exactly does your newsletter entail and how can they uh, get into it? Yeah. Um, so the newsletter is called Exec Sum. Uh, it is, as the name suggests, an executive summary um, that's put out every Monday through Friday um, that details the stock market, um, the uh, deal flow that happens every day. Uh, so that's being, you know, any big M&A deals that were announced, uh, any venture capital uh, fundraisings, um, IPOs, SPACs, you name it, just like a, a pretty brief summary of uh, what went down and then uh, sprinkle in some memes and just... Uh, Keep it uh, fresh and entertaining, and um, you know it's, it's like a five-minute read. I, I would hope for uh, people with a normal um, uh, reading pace. But yeah, if, if you want to sign up, it's um, execsum.co, you know, .co, and it's free. That's uh, that's a short little pitch, but I, I think yeah, it's it's been helpful um, so far for a lot of people who um, uh, you know it's great to get uh, DMs or emails saying hey, like. Just wanted to thank you for um, uh, the information you're putting out. Uh, you know, we spoke about um, uh, exact sum deals that I read about 
in my final round interview at Goldman Sachs or JP Morgan or something like that. And I, you know, I, I got an offer through that. So I'm like, oh shit, like that's the best selling point, you know, to, to convince people to sign up because it's, it's real information. It's stuff that, um, you know, I wish I had, uh, as a junior banker or, you know, um, just looking for something. I mean, obviously there are other newsletters that are out there, but, uh, they weren't tailored specifically to someone in my shoes. And so I said, there isn't something like that. Why don't I do it myself? Yeah. I, I, hey, I remember those interviews. Those interviews were tough and everybody was, I mean, everybody's the same because you, know, you went to college, you were inside the investment banking competition or, you know, you were inside the investor yeah. uh, club, you know, you, you did your internship junior year, you mm-hmm. know, B of A or whatever. And, uh, so no, that's really cool. That's awesome. Yeah. And then, so, I mean, it's exactly that uh, I went through it. Everyone goes through mm-hmm. it and, um, uh, people are always trying to scrap together, um, a sort of list on how to approach them. And, uh, one question that uh, people always ask, um, is tell me about a deal that you're following in the market, or, uh, can you tell me where you think the market's going or, or what's going on right now? So, you know, it's stuff that you get asked in an interview, but you will also be asked by a client or, uh, your boss, if you're just like trying to talk about something or, or a trend, or even on the investing side, like, you know, um, just being up to speed is something that, you know, you can do very quickly, but, um, you know, some don't develop the habit. So before this interview, you mentioned that you may have some questions for us. And I think it's, it's an interesting topic, Salou, because you're like an OG of the finance social media side. <laughs> and I feel like we've at least made some sort of ground on the uh, finance Twitter side. Now that you're in, it's, it's kind of like you've seen both sides. So mm-hmm. I guess before we even st- if you have any, but before that, um, mm-hmm. what have you kind of noticed is the difference in like the Twitter side of it, the Instagram side of it and all the others? Cause I mean, you've really have been mm-hmm. in all, all different parts of it. Yeah, that's, um, something I've definitely, uh, seen and just tailored the content to the different platforms. Um, some things, uh, tend to hit different on Instagram, uh, and they won't do anything on Twitter and then vice versa. I think with, um, with Twitter, what's really interesting is, um, how you can communicate with, uh, so many different groups of people. You know, when you think about like what FinTwit is, um, it, it's such a, a vast, uh, category that can be people who are, uh, you know, in investment banking. It could just be people who are, more on the the trading side of things i'll lump vc twitter into that um you know crypto crypto twitter is its own uh different thing and it's just like nft twitter as well man yeah. that's not good. oh yeah <laughs> yeah that, that's uh, something I'll, we can get into later because um yeah nfts are wild but yeah exactly like it, all of them i think could easily like be bucketed under fintwit um, you know, asset management, real estate, whatever you want to call it, uh, energy, like, uh, but everyone kind of interacts, uh, broadly, but then there's some, you know, if you want to specifically talk about your own domain expertise, you can do that and everyone can just chime in. And it's not all about like, you know, metric based, um, 
uh, posts that rack up a ton of likes or retweets, uh, you can just be having a conversation and then, you know, the butt in there uh, and then chime in or, or troll someone uh, if, if you so wish. But uh, yeah, Instagram is um, a little different um, from that regard. So uh, yeah, I, I definitely see that difference. And then, yeah, I mean, that's kind of how I, uh, you know, learned about you guys. And uh, that's where I believe, um, you know, you guys have your uh, biggest following. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. Until yeah. you start uh, pumping our Instagrams on yours, man. We'll, you know, we'll figure something <laughs> out afterwards. Uh, we'll set up that payment plan. Uh, yeah. No, I mean, no. We gotta, we gotta bring it to Facebook so the middle-aged moms uh, will know the deal, and maybe LinkedIn. <laughs> I, I don't have a LinkedIn, and you know, the we've got other little kids giving out bad advice on TikTok. So I mean, we're already set there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's so many uh, different uh, platforms that I'd love to be in. Um, and I'm sure you guys as well. But it, you kind of realize like you maybe can't be in all of them or you don't want to be in all of them. And um, yeah, I mean, I think TikTok, uh, for example, is uh, filled with like those uh, cringe videos. So cringe. Yeah. And like people who try to give advice and it's really bad or they're just um, hyping up something with like no understanding of what it is. But I'm sure like there's a way to actually make it entertaining and um, and insightful. But um, and, I, and there are a couple that, uh, you know, I do respect. I feel like in a one one minute video, yeah. how are you going to tell someone exactly. why this is a good investment? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. I, I just um, that's kind of why I haven't dedicated too much time um, to TikTok, and I'm not gonna be you know dancing or showing my face either. So, <laughs> also, it takes so much damn time. Uh, I mean, we even tried to do a video, and it, it I mean, it was taking so yeah, much like time. A, just we've for, had like so many interns yeah. just go and try, and then it's like they just stopped. And I was like, well, what the hell? We had one do well. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The one where the one where it was yeah, uh, our very first one got like sixty thousand. I was like, dude, have you been posting TikToks? He's like, no. He's like, one sec, let me log in. That had sixty thousand views. I was like, damn, we're banging. I'm viral, yeah, mom. But yeah, but that was the one where like the the Manzel options. It was uh, like yeah, seven hundred dollars in thirty seven k. Uh, in in lotto options, but then yeah. we post something like uh like why everybody should have like a Roth IRA. It's like a thousand views, like something <laughs> like. But a lot of options, man, yeah. and blows TikTok up. No, yeah. uh, uh, that, that's so funny. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's always that where uh, the low um, value uh, content tends to rack up the likes, and then the real shit that people should be interested in is, uh, you know, it, it just kind of falls flat. You can't get anything. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah, and uh, I saw this tweet today that was just from like right after the AMC GameStop fiasco. Someone was like, hey, next time we're about to make a shit ton of money really easily. Can someone text me? I was like, so we've been doing the whole like coronavirus thing. Everything was running. (laughs) (laughs) Is there beef on kind of between the meme accounts or do you guys all kind of interact behind the scenes a little bit? Because I I think that's something like we've always wanted or at least I always wondered is uh, yeah yeah that's uh that's a funny question um because uh there is some beef because there are people that try to act you know um uh more elitist or uh they just do something or accuse you of stealing their content or or something like that yeah and you know i won't say that i'm uh 
you know, uh, innocent and all that stuff. But uh, I like to think that I only uh, do that if someone is, you know, willingly either trying to smear my name or accuse me of, uh, you know, stealing an idea, um, even though like I've made it aware like as many times as possible that I have no reason to uh, to steal someone's content. <laughs> and like, you know, hey, uh, someone might have thought of like a basic caption and like, okay. oh, do you think like I scroll through like, uh, Twitter and Instagram and like stay on top of like the 50 or hundred <laughs> meme accounts every second of every day and keep tabs on like, you know, if they put, um, you know, when stocks go down or some shit like that. And, uh, Oh, this is like kind of similar. It's like, no, like, you know, some people are inevitably going to do, um, uh, something that kind of sounds similar, but you can kind of see when there's patterns of like, all right, there's like five in a row that are literally like posted, you know, two hours after i posted them and there's something there so then that's when i'll call them out and then that's where there's a little you know beef or whatever but yeah, yeah i mean i'll say like for the most part like a lot of people just um uh you know just shoot the shit in the dms and uh and whatnot i haven't really met um others in person uh others have and they like are friends in real life but um i, I don't really uh want to do that i don't seek uh, meeting other uh memers in real life i kind of just say hey like you're pretty cool uh, online like let's just keep it that way <laughs> um <laughs> um but yeah i mean there's there's a couple i don't know if you want to get into it but uh people who just like continuously just like shit talk uh me or call me like a far right um you know uh, uh like piece of know, shit yeah piece of shit fucking like you know, uh, smearing everything and just like, um, you know, I don't know, racist, whatever. I'm like, okay, like slow down. You guys are really yeah. just like, you know, throwing shit out there. And so I'll troll them back because like, it's funny. It's like if people really get riled up. And so like, I'll troll them back. Um, but then they start to turn around with like, you know, they think, oh, like liquidity is responding. That must mean he's triggered back because he's defending himself. I'm like, no, dude, I'm trolling you back. Like I'm sitting in an airport lounge, like, you know, drinking um, uh, beer um, and just like shit posting and seeing this guy get mad and then, you know, like set them off. And then they'll just bring in their friends and uh, start to say, bro, like you're so triggered. Um, can't believe you do thin skin. I'm just there like getting drunk, like just laughing my ass off. So like I won't have um, internet access in 30 minutes, man. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so, yeah, uh, I, I have a funny um, the screenshot of a tweet that was deleted uh, that there was um, some guy who's like, uh, dude, you're a terminally online virgin uh, who doesn't clap cheeks. Who even says that? Um, good luck, like ever raising a fund off a meme account. And then like a week later, uh, I announced, you know, um, that I was uh, involved in the C round of payload space, uh, which was led by the Winkleboss twins. And, you know, I was alongside that in the press release. So um, it's uh, one of his friends tagged him. And he's like, oh, good shit, man. Well, uh, congrats. You know, I'm, I'm like, yeah, fuck you. Hi there. I'm Bob Pittman, chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, stories from the frontiers of marketing. This week, I'm talking to the one and only Ryan Seacrest. Love the connection to people. I think at the core, what I get excited about, what gets me up in the morning is connecting with people. 
in an unscripted, unvarnished way. It's getting to to say something to them, hear back from them, know that I'm part of the routine. And I look forward to getting on the air. I look forward to it. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and I'm back for another season of my podcast, Climbing in Heels. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as fully obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. My podcast, Climbing in Heels, is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season, we're taking things up a notch. I'll be talking to some incredible women across so many industries, from models and beauty industry stars to doctors, entrepreneurs, and TV personalities. Climbing in Heels is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Every week, listeners will be able to ask me any questions. I'm answering it all. My life is absolutely crazy with so much going on, and I'm so beyond excited to bring you along for the ride. Whether we're talking red carpet looks, current trends, or products I'm obsessed with, I'm here to be your fashion fairy godmother. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs> yeah, it's but, always like know, they're yeah. fucking assholes, and then you respond, and they're like, oh, they're like, yeah, I, I read this shit. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, uh, again, I mean, it, it, it goes back to that question of like, what do I do every day? And, uh, respond this to like, haters. Yeah. Well, it, they're like, oh, you're, you're probably like just tweeting all day. I'm like, first off, what's so bad about, you know, uh, fucking tweeting all day? That sounds pretty sick to me. Um, <laughs> second of all, there's actually a lot more than that, but, you know, I'd rather have them believe that I'm just tweeting all day. Uh, in my underwear, you know, in, uh, in Manhattan and, um, whatever. And then, so I'll be doing real shit. And, uh, when something like this gets announced, you know, that's one of those boom, lay my balls on the table. Hell yeah. Nah, I mean, I think there's no other way to put that, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I think, uh, we can kind of end this with, uh, you know, what do you what do you think you have as, as advice for a lot of these newer traders? Uh, that, I think that's kind of the bigger goal of our podcast is always to to help them out. So I think, you know, you see them all. You see them. So many of them do dumb things and you see every one in a million do really well. So to the other nine hundred ninety nine thousand, uh, what, what do you think, you know, advice for those guys? And then. And then yeah. just to follow that up, the other route after that, go with mm-hmm. your advice to, you know, like a sophomore in college trying to get into IB. Yep. Yeah, sure. So I'll, I'll uh, handle that in two parts. Um, so the first one, and just like uh, traders who are, you know, opening up their first account, uh, a personal, you know, trading uh, account on either Robinhood or, or Fidelity or whatever brokerage that they um, do it on, I, I think... Um, it's trying to find um, real uh, educational um, uh, tools or resources that uh, let them learn uh, more about what they're actually getting themselves into uh, and how to think about getting into uh, uh, an asset like um, you know traditional stocks or REITs or, or, or crypto or you name it. I think just a lot of people right now are treating it as a casino. Even though some people, you know, in the uh, in Congress or whatever, uh, don't think the the market is a casino, I think uh, with all these new millions of people that are 
just going and getting their advice on like TikTok of like, do Dogecoin's going to pump up and whatever. And they just buy it, but they have no reason why. It's like, that's not sustainable. Like they will end up losing money um, in the long run if they just try to follow, you know, one of these pump and dump type schemes. Um, so I think, yeah, it's like building a foundation of knowledge um, around like, okay, like what really is a company that I want to own? Um, like, do I believe in it? Um, and what's my strategy? Like, am I going to try to trade or I'm just going to build a portfolio and hold for the long term? Um, so, I mean, there's a lot there and, um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of free resources online. And so I'd like to say, you know, mine is a pretty basic one. I don't really offer investment advice on uh, exact sum, but, um, yeah, just being plugged into FinTwit, YouTube channels, et cetera, like, uh, people can kind of, um, uh, go there. And then on uh, the other part of the question on like call it a sophomore who's trying to break in uh, to IB, I would definitely say like the the most important thing is to uh, to really network and get yourself known, you know, by a lot of people who are in the industry. So like, or it's easier for someone who goes to a school that um, sends people uh, to Wall Street uh, pretty regularly. So it's reaching out to alumni and uh, networking and saying, hey, I have an interest in this and, you know, trying to have something. It's either, uh, oh, I see you played um, tennis or golf or or basketball or whatever, or you were in this club and just like trying to stand out as like an individual, not just like a resume uh, that's hitting uh, an inbox where tens of thousands of other people are doing the same and you just get weeded out based on your GPA or you know your major or something like that um and then on top of that i would say yeah like you got to be on top of your shit too uh which is uh the technical stuff you know um you're going to be going up against people who live and breathe um you know the dcfs um and uh you know comparable analysis like ways that people can value a business and you just got to know those questions that, that are inevitably going to be asked in an interview that weeds out you know, people who are on top of their game and people who are just like, hey, I'm applying because everyone else is. So uh, those are the two kind of biggest things, um, you know, when when thinking about um, applying to investment banking and wanting to break in. So that's the best way to break in and the best way to like get out of investment banking is to start a meme account? <laughs> I mean, that is a pretty good uh, exit op that um, is, I'd say, not a, a path well... Uh, uh, worn out, um, like investment bankers who go to business school or um, private equity or something. So, um, you know, I'm trying to pave that path of uh, go to college, go yeah. to investment banking, and then launch a meme account. So that would be uh, pretty fucking sick. Um, so you can skip, uh, you know, paying for uh, Harvard Business School or something when you can just be uh, shit posting on Twitter and uh, stealing yeah. other people's memes. All right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> awesome. All right, man. Well, it's been a blast and uh, we'll, you know, uh, hopefully we're going to talk again in the future as long as, you know, people like it, but if they hate it, you know, obviously we're not going to have you back. Uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Let me no. know. <laughs> um, but no, uh, seriously, thanks so much for coming on. And, uh, uh, your memes and shit. I do enjoy your shit posting. So make sure to keep that up. Yeah, really appreciate it. And thanks for having me on. Thanks, All bro. Right. Take care. Right. See ya. And now let's discuss identifying a reversal. Yeah. So I like to keep, I, I, I'm not a huge technical analysis guy, 
But so I like to keep things really simple. And that's just the way that I like to do it. You can totally get way more involved and you can totally do way, way more than what I do. Um, but this is just what I found works for me. And what that is, is that I like to find charts that are inside a steep downtrend. So they're holding this range of a downtrend for, you know, I mean, anywhere three months plus. That's really what I want to see. Or what I want to see is I want to see a chart that, um, you know, let's take this BCTX, for example. Um, BCTX, we're recording this on uh, October 12th. And so BCTX on the 20 day one hour, you can see that, you know, that that seven that seven dollar mark was that support mark. I mean, it's been the support mark for, for the entire month. And you can see that that it created like higher lows, higher lows, all the way up to that 950 level. And then it rejected that 950 level like three or four times and then broke down and came all the way back down to the seven level. It sat at the seven level for almost a week and a half. And then today, this Tuesday, it went and I mean it went nuts going up 15% and is testing that 850 resistance again. So you can that's a perfect example of okay, it was it was that support came up to resistance. Now it's creating this range. Now if it breaks over that 850, 850 now becomes the new support. So now it becomes kind of like a stair step. Okay. And then next it would be 950. And then if you get over 950 and 10, now it's like clear skies and all the moving averages are caught up. And it's, and that's like, that's like the most beautiful chart that, in my opinion, that you can get. And inside my experience, those are the kind of charts that I like to trade. Now, if I'm getting into a swing, so I'm already obviously inside BCTX, but if I'm just getting into a swing, then, um, then what I'll like is, uh, I'll like a really big downtrend. And things that you want to see is that I would like to see consistent volume on the downtrend and then volume dry up. Then I would like to see a big volume bar on the daily chart, but not much movement inside the price. And why I say that is that because that can be a reversal candle. If, uh, if, if it's kind of like a shooting star, that can be a reversing candle. Okay. And then next, I would kind of like to see that be the pivot point and start to break out over that resist or over that you know downtrend resistance line um and and the other thing is that i would like it to be trading underneath the 50 day moving average but i don't necessarily want it to be trading underneath the 200 day moving average i wouldn't mind a chart where it's underneath the 50 day but it's above the 200 day because the 200 day would then be the next spot that i would suspect should hold as a support and that would probably be one of my ad spots if it decides to hold there. So like I said, is that big downtrend trading in between the 50 and above the 200. And I want to see really big volume bar as kind of like the reversal pivot day, let's call it. And then I want to start to see it break out above that downtrend. Uh, the perfect example, I think we used it a few weeks ago, was any. Any back, uh, I mean, any back in, uh, what was it, in June, I believe it was? Yeah, it was back in June or July. It got all the way down to, uh, I mean, it got all the way down to 120. And then it had broken out over uh, that 150 mark. And from there, 
It's just been on a tear hitting 11.98. Right now it's sitting at seven. Go back to that one and check that one out because that was one where it, it broken that downward trend and it's just created a beautiful chart, holding support, creating stair steps. It, it, it's a beautiful thing. It's it's really a beautiful thing to watch. And, um, and, and so that's one that I really like. And like I said, is that it's going to be what works best for you. And you're going to have to find out what works best for you. I know friends who who will never touch a uh, downtrend, who will never touch a downtrend. And I'm not going to touch a downtrend, but it's definitely something that comes on my radar when I see it inside a downtrend. Um, And then the other thing is that intraday, how you can see reversal is something similar is that is that seeing those big volume bars come up out of something that is uh, that has gotten smoked recently? Um, you know, like I said, is that something that's gotten? You know, let's just say that that it went up two hundred percent, came down, and then you see those big volume bars. That's definitely something that can be that can be noted. And then when it starts to confirm back up, you know, breaks the downtrend intraday. Um, that's something where you can usually get a nice volume pop, especially if you know that shorts are loaded in there. Um, you know that's really important as well because sometimes inside the swinging swings, you know the the longer swings, you know you won't see that big pop because it's just a lot of selling. But intraday, if you can see like a downtrend break on something that is news, that can give a really nice pop from shorts covering. All right, and. Just as a little guest appearance, I did just have a trader come get his dog's leash from here. And another really good trader's name's Lolo Jorts. Uh, do you want to give your opinion on how to identify a stock? Tell his dog, shut the fuck up. Uh, good dog. I know people love dogs. How to identify when a stock is about to reverse and how it's guaranteed a reversal. And you're not just guessing at the end of a downtrend. Give me, give me a little one minute. Yeah, so um, main thing I'm looking for when I'm looking for a stock coming out of a downtrend um, is kind of the increasing volume into the lower price, um, as well as just that price starting to increase with the volume increasing as well. Um, that really adds to it. And when you look at the longer term charts, as far as the, the dailies, the weeklies, the hourlies, um, as those start to reverse and confirm higher closes, um, a lot of times people look at the one minute, five minute, all the shorter term stuff. Um, but when you really zoom out and look at the one hour to daily to weekly charts, um, it can really give you some key levels and how to uh, really confirm those reversals as far as uh, when the volume and price action really starts to increase and keep uh, keep that uptrend going. All right. Hell yeah. I think that's some pretty good stuff. And if uh, if y'all like that and if y'all want some more uh, some more Lulu Jorts action, uh, let us know in the in the replies and I'll, I'll make sure he's uh, you know, he lives in the apartment with me. So not in the same one. Don't worry. We're not, you know, he lives upstairs. But yeah, we'll, we'll get him in. But uh, yeah, guys, I hope you all like this episode and we'll see you all next time. I'm getting a call from Concierge right now. So rate us all five stars and we love you all so much. Goodbye.
Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season show us big risk can yield big rewards. Like Rob Riley, the creative head of one of the world's leading advertising firms. I try to create environments where anybody can say anything without any judgment. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers.